Episode 125 for January 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And their discounts start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example this month is Amazing Spider-Man number 656. In this issue, we get yet another Spider-Man costume. We get the Spider-Armor 2.0. The cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. All right, welcome back, gang, to our January edition of The Crawl Space. In 2011, we're starting off with uh, Baby New Year, Jr. himself. Uh, <laughs> Jr., how was your Christmas? Wait a minute! Wouldn't I be old man? The old you, year going out of uh, no, no, going you're, out of commission. You're fine. I didn't want. To, I don't uh, want to see you in a diaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, whether whether you're at the beginning of life, at the ending of life, you're in a diaper. I mean, yeah, it does, very, doesn't matter. How was your Christmas? Uh, Did you get any Christmas spider-related Christmas stuff? No, I didn't. I uh, I told the family we you know that uh, I didn't you know if I didn't need, really need anything. Um, Spencer, on the other hand, I don't know that he got anything Spider. Hey, Spencer, did you get anything Spider-Man related for Christmas? No, he can't think of any. He got a bunch of video games, uh, cool. but 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 it was a relatively Spider-Man free Christmas. I didn't I didn't give your intro, Jr. from SpideyKicksButt.com. I, I failed to do that. I apologize. And we have uh, Kevin Cushing from the Jeff Johns podcast, also the administrator on the board. Welcome, Kevin. Any spider-related gifts, sir? Uh, no, not really. It was mostly just some uh, seasons of TV, and then oh, what'd you get? What seasons did you get? Oh, couple. I got uh, Dollhouse season two, Lost season six, uh, Chuck season three. So that's geek-related. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and with the some Christmas money I bought myself from Mail Order Comics the first seven uh, Peter David Hulk Visionaries books. I'm looking forward to reading awesome. those. Awesome! That is awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, pretty it was much on the great. recommendation of you too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Me and Bailey, the Hulk hasn't been that good since, in my opinion. Those were good years. Yes. All right. We also have Mr. Bailey back from Views from the Long Box and also moderator on the board. What did you get for Christmas, sir? Were you a good boy? I was uh, I was a very good boy. I, nice. My wife got me no- almost nothing but comic book related things, which is kind of awesome. But um, what'd she get you? Well, uh, I got a bunch of puzzles because uh-huh. stum- something we can do together. We got this uh, Hulk puzzle from like '88 where he's holding a bus, nice, saving a bunch of kids. I, I think you saw that and said mm-hmm. you had it. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man related. I got um, two of the. Six and a half inch figures, I think they are. Right. From that line that's been out for a few years. Uh, I got the regular Spider and the Spider-Man and the black suited one, and they're both very awesome looking. That black suited one's really cool looking. I like that. Indeed. Um, <laughs> she got me four pairs of sleep pants oh. from Walmart, uh, one of which has a bunch of Marvel characters on it, including Spidey. Very nice. And, uh, she got, yeah, she got me a couple Marvel puzzles and stuff like that. But, uh, the one thing that has turned out to be one of the better gifts was she got me, um, she got me the electric, the Spider-Man electric toothbrush. (laughs) That's nice. And in all honesty, no kidding, this is the best electric toothbrush (laughs) I've ever had in my entire life. (laughs) What's good about it? Just, uh, it just, it just, the, the, the I've never had an electric are, toothbrush to begin with, so I don't know. With your with your adult ones, the heads yeah. are kind of big on the thing, and you don't get really between the teeth, and right. this does. And the only problem with it is that you have to have one of those like miniature screwdrivers to get to change the batteries. <laughs> have you gone through a battery already since December twenty fifth? Well, these well, God dang, man. <laughs> yeah, but I brush my teeth a lot. No, these things are played with constantly by kids in stores. Oh, you can gotcha. sit there and press the button. Yeah. Uh, to, I guess, demonstrate it, because kids are big into demonstrating toothbrushes, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't understand the, the thing, but, it's a uh. button they like to push. 
put it that way. But uh, no, seriously. So sitting there in my bathroom, the big <laughs> Superman fan has a Spider-Man st- sitting there waiting I love to. It. Well, I think they did. They make Superman toothbrushes. Uh, they did very briefly, but because Superman Returns kind of tanked the Superman <laughs> merchandising, you had clearance Superman toothbrushes. Yeah. The uh, the Superman merchandising has has really dried up. Um, in fact, the only thing I can really find these days are like the silly bands or whatever the hell they're called. They're like four bucks a box too. Yeah, I, yeah. To hell with that. No doubt. Um, Freaking rubber band. But uh, since, you know. Marvel has been merchandising the hell out of all of their characters for the past 11 years now. So Spider-Man has been always everywhere, yeah. from bubble bath to toothbrushes to I'm surprised he doesn't have his own line of chips or something. <laughs> he had cereal years ago. And we have... So, so Spider-Man is giving Mr. Bailey oral hygiene. <laughs> yes. And we have Stella from the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. And did you get any Spider-Girl or Spider-Man stuff for Christmas? Um, no. Uh, be, I did get um, the the Hallmark ornament, but that was for my birthday. Uh, but I did get Batman Beyond the Complete Series, which I was really happy about. Big box about. set, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, a couple books. So I was pretty excited nice. about that. Very cool. And uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about your, you going to the you see the Spider-Man musical and you were dodging actors, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cool. And unfortunately, Zach can't be with us. Hopefully next month he'll be with us. He's, he's going to get a different schedule starting in February. But in the meantime, we're still having a Texas representation with uh, George. George, tell me about your Christmas. Any, any comic-related stuff? Uh, no, this Christmas I got bacon and cash. <laughs> That is bacon. that is literally 100% true. My uh, gift bacon. Uh, um. Well, what they did. Well, what it was was it's like some kind of shelf bacon now that like you can like get off the shelf and it's like freeze dried or something. You like put it in the microwave. Yeah. And I didn't even know this. You know this shit existed. And then my what happened was was my folks bought like bacon in a box. You know, like like just the shelf stuff and bacon a's. And uh, that's the mayonnaise that tastes like bacon and, like, bacon salt. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've got all kinds of stuff that tastes like bacon now. Baconase, it's like mayonnaise. It's like a sandwich bread. Bacon but it tastes, wow. it tastes like bacon. And um, I'm going to have some later. I'm going to make BLTs with baconase on them. And, um, wow. Hell, hell yeah, son. <laughs> that's how... That's how George fights the snow. I might pork. drive down to Texas just to have a sandwich with you, man. That sounds good. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but... To that, they attached a lot of cash. Nice. Bacon and cash. That's Bacon and cash. That's a nice gift right there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got some Spider-Man-related stuff. I got... Uh, Shocking. A, <laughs> <laughs> I got a big book. It's called Obsessed with Marvel. It says, test your knowledge of the Marvel Universe. And you uh, ha- it has a little uh, computer thing at the bottom. And you hit the button, and it t- says, go to question, like, uh, 1,000. That and thing is hard. I know, dude. I, I, there's a whole chapter of Spider-Man. I'm like, maybe someday we could play. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's hard? Define hard. Come on now. These Marvel questions were written by, uh, what's his name, Peter Sanderson. Peter Sanderson? Yeah. They're hard, dude. Well, give me an example of like one of the harder ones. Cause, well, I yeah. don't know the answer because I ha- – well, here, I'll just – I know have... you don't know the answer. That's why I'm saying ask me, fool. Here, well, I don't – I'm on you, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. They're divided into categories. Uh, pick, pick. Uh, how about Marvel horror? Yeah, how about that? Okay. Who is in Cantu? Is it A. Member of Blade's Vampire Hunters? B. Living Mummy. But I didn't even read the Living Mummy. I, I don't. I know you're right though. That's what it is. It's Living Mummy. All right. What was the? Who was the first supernatural ghost writer in the Marvel universe? Johnny Blaze, Noble Kale, Pastor Kale, or Danny Danny Ketch? I think it's Noble Kale, honestly, but... Yeah, it is Noble Kale. Okay. Anyway, it's really hard. Like, there's a whole Dr. Druid section. I'm like, what? Anyway. That's not hard, Brad. Come on, now. Uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> listen here, you, bacon, actually read any you bacon lover. <laughs> no, anyway, it's a, it was a good gift. What else did I get? I got, um, I got an iPhone 4, and I got a Spider-Man case for it. And I'll do, that'll be part of the recommendations later. But uh, it's oh, really, right. really cool. All right, let's go into the news section. Uh, we had a little uh, changing of the guard at Marvel. It looks like Axel Alonso has been named the new editor-in-chief, and Joe Quesada 
Well, what's his new title? He's going to be Chief uh, Creative Officer, I think. So it is. He's going to be. It's actually not a new title. It's he's had that job for yeah. over half a year. He's just going to focus on it now. Right, and he will uh, take the reins from Kusada, who started into 2000. I guess he's had a 10-year run, and usually with Marvel editors in chief, the guy gets fired. This is a different situation. Mm-hmm. The uh, the guy got promoted and and uh, he stepped up. So. Who should we start with? Uh, George, what do you think of uh, Axel Alonso? Uh, six for one, half a dozen of another. <laughs> How come? Seriously, I, that's exactly what it is. It's a push. It's, it's Poseida filling the role with somebody who he basically tailored groomed to be exactly like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, no one should expect anything. I, I've seen some people on the boards kind of get excited and say, well, maybe he'll want to make a name for himself and he'll change this or he'll change that. And I'm like, no, it's it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be more shock value, more drawn out events. It's it's nothing's going to change. The thing is, I don't really have an opinion about it because I don't know any of his work. I mean, he edited Amazing Spider-Man during the JMS run, but I mean, how can you judge what? A, I think you know what I'm always saying about how continuity is a noose. Yeah. About how Marvel says continuity. I think that actually came from him when he first started mm-hmm. at Spider-Man. I think he's the one that actually said continuity is the noose. And ever since then, I've just been like, yeah, I've, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. Yeah. What were you going to say, Bailey? He was a Vertigo editor <clears throat> over at DC, which is why Jenkins actually probably started writing the Spider books, because uh, he had worked with Jenkins on the Hellblazer series, and he always just struck me as a guy that didn't like superheroes, <laughs> which pisses me off, like, big time. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Because I figure if you're working with superheroes, you should get your head out of the vertigo mindset and, you know, focus on the fact that we're doing something awesome. Axel always struck me as one of these pretentious comic fans that would, oh, I don't know, just talk over somebody who was trying to raise a critical point because he just didn't want to talk about it. Hmm. Now... Kevin, did you see Alonzo in the uh, that Marvel panel that you said was offensive? Yeah, and I gotta actually amend my statement about that a little bit because somebody mm-hmm. showed me a video <clears throat> of that yeah. exact thing I was talking about from YouTube, and I, I guess I just didn't quite perceive everything that was going on when I was actually in the crowded room behind a bunch of people standing against a wall. Uh, but the fan was a lot ruder than I realized, so I'll give him that. But I still don't think it was handled well. Alonzo was the guy that just talked over him and said, so don't buy it, don't buy it, just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, seeing that just makes me think that this this is going to be more of the same. I feel like Alonzo seems to have a similar attitude towards the fans that, you know, guys like Casada and Brevoort have had for a while now. And, and yeah, Alonzo has, has certainly been one of Casada's biggest yes-men for years, so I don't expect to see anything change. What interests me is most of the big editors-in-chief that Marvel have had over the past several decades, you can point to at least a few things that they contributed with their run as editor-in-chief. And I'm with Axel Alonso right now appearing to be just such a Casada yes-man, I'm very interested to see what exactly we might look back at of his editor-in-chief tenure and say he contributed to Marvel. Obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, so I have no idea what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but I just don't really see anything changing, so I'll be I'll be interested if he does find his own identity as editor-in-chief and not just Quesada's successor. Yeah. Stella, what's your two cents? Um, I don't really have two cents to give. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not really familiar with him too much, and I thought maybe there would be a change, but it sounds like from everybody else that knows more than I that uh, there's not going to be much of a change, so I guess I'll just see what happens. I'm with you. I really don't have an opinion about it. I mean, I, I think overall Quesada's done an okay job. I mean, a lot of people will disagree with me about uh, the mandate of the marriage, but uh, I think in in the face of diminishing sales – from the new stand and comic readers in general. I think Quesada's introduced it into the digital age. I think he's done good with uh, the movies, etc., keeping the characters out there. Do you, do you, but it has nothing to do with the movies, Brett. Well, he, all, movie, all the movie deals were made by A.V. Arid. I mean, they were made by a completely different part of the company, aside from Quesada. He has absolutely, he's jack all to do with the movies, Brett. 
He he's an advisor on the movies, isn't he? Hey, so Stan Lee, Brad. And the movies and Stan Lee is an executive producer. Yeah. Well, Casada being the chief creative officer now for the past, uh, I don't know, six, eight months, he actually does have direct involvement with the movies, much like Jeff Johns and He'll DC. have direct I don't involvement know. Over, the, over the movies that Marvel does, yeah. But, like, the stuff yeah. that, like, the stuff that happened first, like with the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, he had nothing to do with that. Well, that what about what saying. about him going on the Colbert Report? What about him with the Obama Spider-Man cover getting the characters in the media spotlight? I think he, sh- has he shows up for a PR thing. Yeah, on 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 a show, and that's that's doing a lot with the, for the movies. The dude, it's, that's it's doing two minutes of work. That's, that's doing a lot for his characters. Uh, I, he has he hasn't done jack all with the movies, Brad. Well, what has he done that you like? Quesada? Yeah. Um, the artist looked better at Marvel, I think, than it ever has in its entire run. Yeah. I mean, it's in the history of the company. I mean, the artwork is is staggeringly beautiful. It's unfortunate that the stories don't actually match it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But aside from, I, I saw somebody one time try to give him credit for the trade paperback program, and I, and I, you know, I, I and other people pointed out the trade paperback program that is so robust started under Jameis. It started before Quesada actually took the job. So he he's getting a lot of this credit. I, I don't think that he deserves. I mean, I think he's done some good things, but I, let's not get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jr. Let's get crazy. His, what do you his, think? His tears don't cure cancer. Oh my goodness! But they, they, <laughs> good lord, Jr. Your two cents. Um, you know, there's a saying that says, uh, "Meet the old boss," same, or "Meet the new boss," same as the old boss. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that's uh, totally applicable here. I don't expect any changes whatsoever. Um, as far as Casada leaving, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I think actually I think that's good, and it's not because I, you know not because of necessarily the marriage or anything personal against Casada, but ten years in a management job like that I think is is long enough or too long. Mm-hmm. Um, the, these guys, you know, are, and it's not just managers. I mean, politicians or whatever people uh, do in authority. Uh, have in this country have a tendency to stay in power way too long, and um, I think he was there a little bit long. I mean, if if one of the, I mean, if he became fixated on ending the Spider-Man marriage, you know, and you know if that if that had a if that had kept if that was something that kept bugging him, uh, you know, it's time to move on, move on and do something different. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I think it, it it normally I would consider it a positive thing. Uh, that he's moved on, but I know nothing really about Alonzo, and 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 to be honest, I, you know nothing about you know what Disney is or is not ultimately going to do with Marvel. So big question mark. What do you think of Casado's ten years on the job? Well, you know it's it's hard to say. I, I really thought, uh, and, and George George will remember that we thought that uh, uh, well we kept calling Casada and Jemus Quemus, uh, yeah. <laughs> and joining their that, names. Yeah. Um, because you know the the Mary Jane was an issue even ten or more years ago, uh, and Jemus was always doing some damn fool thing and saying something. But you know the the Marvel of two thousand was almost out of existence. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if Casada deserves any credit, or if it's Jemus, or if you know you credit the Spider Man movie. Uh, the first one that came out in 2002, but but Marvel was a buck fifty a share and was almost out of existence. Yeah. So you know somebody did something right in that time, um, but I don't know I don't know if we can we can pin it on a particular person or not. I don't know. He I, he's done okay, but I think he was there too long. Yeah. All right. The other. Um topic we're going to hit up is the Spider-Man musical, and we actually have someone that has seen it. Stella, you wrote a big review on the front page, but for people that don't visit the front page, tell us what you thought. <laughs> Basic, yeah, for people who can't read. Um, <laughs> um, so I, went, I went on December 17th, and right. uh, it happened to be three performances before the actor fell 30 feet into the pit. So I guess I was lucky or not lucky, however you may look at it. Um, I guess to to break it down very simply, it's a visual spectacle. Um, I mean, you can really, when you're there, you 
understand why it, it, it has cost so much money, uh, why they need to sell out from now for the next three years to actually make up that money, uh, why there are technical uh, difficulties. Um, it's really a feast for the eyes. You know, people really are flying over you. They're using the, the cable and pulley system that um, ESPN and sports channels use uh, cameras over the fields. Um, there were a couple times where literally I looked behind and there was a Spider-Man that I could touch. Uh, they're, you know, in the audience with you. Um, and then there were, there was kind of a moment where the screens came together and you're like watching a movie for five minutes, which is like, well, I'm, I'm not really paying my money to watch a movie, but still, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was interesting and fun. Um, the music, I think it was good. It's not like the best. I don't think it's going to win a Tony. And there were some strange songs in there. Story, I thought, was pretty strong. A lot of people have commented that it's confusing, but it's because there are three plots going on at the same time. You have the geeks, which are sort of narrating this entire story. Uh, they want to create this awesome movie, and so they're going about um, kind uh, trying to put it together then you have arachne which uh you know kevin called it yeah the spider god and she actually comes from greek mythology the first person to be transformed into a spider by athena and then you have the actual spider-man story and all of them at the end actually uh go together um arachne weeds throughout both of them and then they all three of them just sort of combine uh so i enjoyed the story i thought it was good it was Mm -hmm. interesting kept me um entertained uh the costumes i know this was a big thing um they were weird i think once you understand that julie tamor the director also did lion king i think that makes you more aware of what's going on and she designed a lot of uh the costumes and everything of course swiss myth um oh, what is that are, about what is so that about? i know people yeah we're up in arms with that um but one of the geeks actually makes her up because all the geeks are like wait who the heck is swiss myth and she said oh i just made her up so it's just, you know, a made-up character. Um, it, it, it's weird to think that it's a man in there, and so that kind of weirded me <laughs> out. It is? It is, yeah. It's a man in the costume rather oh, than man. a woman. But, um, yeah. Um, Stella, can I ask you a quick question? Yes. So the geeks are the geek chorus, I guess? Yes, is, the is geek chorus, yeah. Okay. Are they just like comic Is that as insulting as it sounds? Um... I is don't. This, I mean, is this they don't. Geeks, or is this the perception of uppity, pretentious people of what geeks are? Um, I would say they're nerdy, but with like a rock feel to it. Because I mean, you know, they're not like Poindexter looking. You know, one of them has like really crazy hair and everything, and they're not like off the wall nerdy. But you know, they know their comic book. Um, you know, their comic book history and everything. Yeah. But Stella? that's what they're known as Greek chorus. So yeah. Or geek Stella, chorus. Stella, I got yes. I got a I got a couple questions for you. Uh the okay. first one is uh Norman Osborne. I mean does oh, the yeah. sound does does the southern yeah. accent <laughs> I, I mean I, I mean, they do how, to Norman. How is, how is Norman Osborne, Osborne handled in this in this uh in this thing? I did I don't think you would appreciate it. Um and you know my perception of it, I was just thinking well I don't think Jerry would like this very much. Yeah, this kind of southern gentleman with a lot of charm and he just had so much charisma even when he was green goblin he was making sarcastic comments. So it seemed like all the sarcasm that should have been with Spider-Man was put on the green goblin character and it was all like laughing it up. I mean at one time he's you know he's at a piano singing I'll take Manhattan. He's got like a, a And so like it's not the diabolical, you know, genius that we all know and love. So I think that was the one character that I just did not think went well um, with what we know. And, yeah. Was it it okay within the context of the musical itself? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, And and Green Goblin, like, when he actually underwent his transformation, uh, it wasn't like he just got... Enhanced, uh, enhanced strength. He actually kind of had these boils on him, and so he kind of looked like part of an actual goblin. Ooh. So and, it wasn't I, him in a mask. He he got t- deformed. Yeah, part of his body, and then uh-huh. he yeah he donned the mask too. Weird. Yeah, I, I've also heard, and this I'm, I don't mean to drag it out, but I just I, I've read a lot of reviews, and even people who who want to like it or people who do like it have said the first act works well, but the second act I've I've heard a lot about the second act of the show being very weak, and this 
utter you know nonsense about the shoe dance or something or other yes that <laughs> so. no that is the one that's the one song that i just had no idea why uh they're talking about shoot like um arachne has this group of uh furies uh which furies um were just they're kind of indescribable but in greek mythology uh, they would be sent by different goddesses or or gods to just kind of uh, attack other people or you know put some sort of hatred in somebody's heart and then that person would do their bidding but these are in the form of spiders and they at one point they're like let's go get shoes and i just had no <laughs> idea what that was about and are you kidding me wow going to visit uh jameson and so what what about the part was it like a dream sequence when carnage and electro and craven came in no it's not a no it's um the sinister six okay yeah uh yep it's kind of like this weird fashion show kind of thing (laughs) uh the geek chorus come up with god i want to see this so bad say you know no i know the best you know um villain and then they kind of come out and do their struts and of course it's even more funny when you see swiss miss because it's a guy doing his strutting this thing sounds like a complete cluster f (laughs) (laughs) okay okay michael bailey who are you to question julie taymor's genius That's what I get invariably, and every any time like I ever like on any message board or if I ever try to say something about this, it's always like, oh my god, what do you know? Julie Taymor's God, and I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm not trying to insult Stella if she enjoyed it. I mean, if she enjoyed it, that 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 that's all well and good because there's definitely plenty of things that I enjoy that everyone looks at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> but uh, wow. I just, it just sounds like the whole thing is incredibly insulting to people who actually like to read comics. Like it's this is for. Stella? Would I agree with that statement? Yeah. Um, Is it insulting to the hardcore Spider fan? I think to the hardcore Spider-Man fan, probably. Um, I was looking at it from, like, two different perspectives because, I mean, you know, I have musical theater background and then I have Spider-Man. And so, obviously, both of them were kind of, like, chafing. Like, it it doesn't really work (laughs) together. And I would say basically three-quarters of the audience uh, probably were just, oh, wow, Spider-Man, and had no idea, really, what was going on. I mean, like I said, there was a reference to, you know, four big creators, and I started clapping, and there was, like, no one else clapping. (laughs) 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 What were the the creators they said again? Uh, Straczynski, Lee, Ditko, and Ramada. Yeah, there you go. And and you're great on the front page. You gave it a C, a seven out of ten. So it's about average, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's a visual spectacle. That's really all. You know, if you're going there for the music, you know, it's okay. There are some weird things, uh, but it's not it's not like Rent, um, rock wise. And then what if you're going there for the comic you, thing, what do they have to do to get an A from you? Still kill somebody? <laughs> oh, well, get rid of that shoe song, I would say. <laughs> that's, that's the first I'm not, I'm not up on theater. Like, will this thing tour? Like, could it come to Missouri or St. Louis or something like that? Or would they release a DVD of a performance? I mean, uh, you could get a bootleg. Oh, I don't want to. Or a shoe, shoe leg. Uh, <laughs> I mean, will it tour? I it wonder. could potentially tour. I mean, they have to get this down before they yeah. go. Yeah. It, it almost yeah, seems too technical. What, what's oh, technical, yeah, to put in. I, I was about to say, it, it seems yeah. almost too technically complex yeah. and dangerous, I mean, uh, to actually take it on tour. I mean, uh, you know, I can't see it coming to Cleveland, for example, uh, because, <laughs> well, I mean, if I was run, managing the theater there and I had this thing, you know, that where actors were getting concussions and falling from the sky yeah. and. I would say, man, I don't, I don't know if I want any part of that. Do they uh, release theater DVDs that are legit? Like, um, very no. rarely. Unless, yeah, it's at like the Kennedy Center or something like that. Or, or unless it's like yeah. the last performance of Rent, they have a DVD of that out. Oh, okay. I would have killed to have one for Friend of the Opera instead of that god awful movie they put out. <laughs> like I'd buy the DVD just and, for the shoe song. And they did. <laughs> and they did. For the shoe song. Oh. Yeah, I mean that sounds horrible, dude. I want to see the Sinister Six fashion show. Me too. And <laughs> what's up with Swarm being in the Sinister Six? 
Uh, yeah, I don't are, know. Are, are you denying the genius of Swarm, sir? I mean, no. Swishmas, think about you're going through the entire catalog of Spider-Man villains, and you're thinking, <laughs> okay, who will work best live on stage? Swarm. I've got it. The Nazi skeleton made of bees. <laughs> that was going to be a hit on your <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I almost wish, I wish you could see what, uh, you know, the lizard, because it's a man in a man, okay, because the man is cartoonized, so he's in something, and then he, like, pulls something, and then it inflates outward, like, uh, you know, an inflatable. Like a blow-up uh, lizard doll? Basically, and so the head of wizard comes out, and then the tail. It's very interesting. That's true. It's a man inside a man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then yeah, a wizard. Is there the slash fiction? Uh, what? Oh dear. Is there? Okay, it's, a slash, it's a slash musical. It's a slash musical. Is there any songs that are like, like, sp- do they say the word spider or anything? Or is it all just typical U two sounding songs? Oh. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I think there was, it was pretty um, spider related. Yeah, as much Brad's as possible. for more yeah. podcast songs. <laughs> Did you hear one that's like, oh, that could be a podcast <laughs> opening? <laughs> oh, I mean, you could potentially. The only one that's been, I guess, released as in, you know, it's been on a couple shows is uh, was referenced in this comic that we're going to review. Yeah. Uh, the boy falls from the sky, so you could potentially use that. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, 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 hang on. That's that's the name of a song, The Boy Fall From the Sky? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's an unfortunate song to have in your musical world. <laughs> you got an actor that fell, what, 30 feet and had to go to the hospital? There goes the boy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a crow musical. I feel like a crow musical with Let's Shoot This Guy in the Stomach as a song. So. I Damn. <laughs> Brad, you remember, Brad and JR, you remember uh, Blazing Saddles? Yeah. Oh, yes. Remember, remember that one moment when uh, Gene Wilder says, "I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille." <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're going to replace that with Julie Taymor. Oh, somebody has to say, "I must have killed more men than Julie Taymor." It's true. It's true. Uh, it's true. All right, <laughs> we're moving on to another meat spiting in the media. Uh, this website I've never heard of called Just Jared, and it doesn't have anything to do with Subway sandwiches. Has released oh. a. Uh, p- Pictures of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone as Peter and Mary Jane, uh, oh, excuse me, Gwen Stacy, sitting in the bleachers, making out, kissing a little bit. And he is wearing a brown coat, and he's wearing gloves with no fingers in the gloves. And he uh, looks very, I don't know, what what's the, twilight-ish, in my opinion? Yeah. Twilight-ish? More... <laughs> Or conversely, out of bed is what he looks like. He looks like a what? Oh yeah, he's he got like a serious case of out of bed. Yeah, he's got. That's he's the got look. Bad hair, hardcore. Uh, no, that's the thing. Peter Parker shouldn't have the look. He should. Whatever, whatever look is popular, Peter Parker shouldn't have it. Yeah, he he mm-hmm. shouldn't be that cool looking. Anyway, uh, Jr., we haven't heard from you. What do you think of the first pictures of our new Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy? I was about to say, is that is that what goes for cool looking these days? Um, I, I I don't know. Um, my I, I um, you know it's kind of like I wrote on when when you first posted the story. I just think he looks too old. Now maybe that's the angle. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I, I and I will admit maybe that's just me. But he looks like a man trying to look like a kid, and that was that's always been my objection. But maybe you know maybe something will come out. You know, in the maybe they'll look different in the movie, or maybe the way he handles it'll be, will will make it will make it believable. But could he pass for a uh, senior in high school? Maybe I don't I don't think so. He doesn't yeah. look like it to me. But then again, that's just me. Could she, could she pass as a senior in high school? Not by him. No. <laughs> Better than him. Better than him. <laughs> but but not, no. No. Yeah. Stella likes the Twilight look. Is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, you look Stella, at you like quasi-gay guys? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. That's what Brad just asked her. That's awful. <laughs> Stella, is he, is he looking good? Um, in my opinion, now I didn't think of looking that I was looking at Edward when I saw it, but in my opinion, uh, the the hairstyle and everything did really look like something from Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, I mean, people may disagree with me, but it looked like that. Uh, he does, yes, he does look older, and 
I think we're just going back to this whole thing, like, why did they even hire him when he's basically the same age as Tobey Maguire was when he started out? So we're in that same kind of uh, thing. Um, I think Emma, Emma Stone, right, I think that she'll be fine. Uh, she just did the Easy A movie, right, and she kind of looked mm-hmm. like she was a high schooler. So I think we're good with that. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. What's up with no, no fingers in the gloves? I don't get it. Well, hit it. Go ahead, George. Why no fingers? So I can stick to the walls? Uh, no, I'm, I'm guessing that's why Flash Thompson picks on him. And in this case, I'm going to side with Flash Thompson. Because if you dress like that and look like that big of a douchebag, you deserve to have your ass kicked. <laughs> well, I should say that uh, clarinet, people who play the clarinet in marching band, they always had to have those um, without the gloves because you you had to in order to put your Do you see a trumpet in that man's hand? <laughs> I didn't say trumpet. I said you clarinet. Maybe he just or brass. He just got off of marching band practice. <laughs> he got off of something and it wasn't practice. I'll tell you that. It was the real deal. This is a douchebag look. He's got the bad hair. He's got the fingerless gloves. He deserves to have his ass beat by Flash Thompson. I'm agree. If I go see this, I'll be rooting for Flash Thompson. If Flash Thompson doesn't win the first five minutes, I'm out. I'm out. You know, oh. fuck it. <laughs> going back to have my bacon sandwich. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go back to my baconades and the rest of the world can kiss my ass. I still think Emma Stone looks so much better as a redhead, though. I agree. Yeah, that's true, I mean, yes. The thing, though, is they keep telling us, oh, she's a natural blonde, she's a natural blonde. I don't give a crap. Her hair is dyed blonde in that. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a dyed blonde, you know, it's not, yeah. And it I, looks no, like y'all. dyed blonde. But let me, let me just say this about the picture they released. All right. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was doing a play with a couple other friends from high school and my older brother and some people. We were doing it at this, uh, this church downtown. And one time when we went to uh, rehearse, there was this uh, greasy-ass hobo who came out and started, and started hitting on one of my female friends who was in high school. And I thought it was really freaking creepy. And that's what this picture looks like. It looks like the greasy hobo hitting on the high school And I find it creepy. Oh, man. So nobody's a fan. Everybody thinks he looks too old, and he looks like he plays clarinet, and he's a homeless man. I don't think, one, she looks better as a redhead. Um, You agree? Yes, I agree definitely that she would have made a much better Mary Jane than a Gwen Stacy, looks-wise. Character-wise, I think she could have played either one. Mm -hmm. Um, And him, he's just... Not what I would expect from Peter Parker. I gotta agree with everybody else. He looks like he, like he's, they're trying to cast a good looking leading man into a character that isn't supposed to be a good looking leading man. I mean, the great thing about Tobey Maguire is that he's kind of a homely son of a bitch. <laughs> and you could see him getting picked on and not being the, you know, not being the most popular guy in school. This guy looks like he's trying to be cool. Like the director thought, oh, that's what I've got to do because that's what people are expecting. And, and it's what a, a friend of mine in another podcast was talking about is that they're not going for what's right for the character. They're going for what the popular trend of movie-going audiences is like right now. Now, does that mean that the movie itself is going to be bad? No, it cast a certain light on it, but you know, yeah. this guy could end up being a terrific Peter Parker who just doesn't look like Peter Parker should look like. Whereas I thought Toby McGuire looked like Peter Parker and was wooden as a freaking chair through most you know, through most <laughs> of the second and third film in his acting style. He looks so bored in three, I was surprised that he could finish the film. <laughs> But uh, you, you know, Toby too. On that, you know, Toby was a short guy. I mean, you can see him, like you said, Mister Bailey. You can see him being picked on. Uh, if I don't, if I recall correctly, Andrew, Andrew Garfield's six feet tall. I mean, in high yeah. school, who goes around who goes around picking on six feet tall people? I mean, and and, and if you're big enough, if you're big enough to go on a to um, to uh, pick on a six foot guy person in high school, then you need to pee in a cup because. You know, <laughs> 
And they, they definitely need to get you off the football team and, and, and whatever drugs you're taking if you're that big. So I, I, yeah, I just, you know, I, it doesn't seem, I mean, it doesn't seem to work for the character, like Mr. Bailey said. Well, we'll soon see enough in May 2012. Uh, next topic, it's, uh, it's on the fringes of Spider-Man related. Uh, let's see. Bleeding, was it, uh, you know, comic book resources? No, Bleeding Cool, one of the two. Interviewed Alan Moore, who you know from, uh, work such as The Watchmen, etc. Uh, DC wants to do prequels to his book from 25 years ago, and, uh, he said in an interview that, uh, that would be handled by the industry's top flight talents. And Moore goes on to talk about how there aren't any top flight talents. He doesn't even think there's middle or bottom flight talents writing comic books these days. So Jason Aaron, who writes the Astonishing Spider-Man book, who I actually interviewed earlier this year, or earlier last year, uh, told Alan Moore to go F himself, which yes. seems to be a theme. Uh, he says that uh, you're insulting my friends, uh, you're a bitter old man, etc. I'm paraphrasing. So, uh, we'll hit the DC expert up. Bailey, what do you think of Alan Moore and Jason Aaron fighting online? Um, I think Alan Moore is is entirely uh, welcome to his opinion of what DC is going to do. Uh, I also think Alan Moore should just shut up. <laughs> uh, I, I have found him in interviews over the last few years, whether he feels justified or not, to be just a bitter, bitter human being that, you know... Why is he? Be, because he's got this whole air about him of, I am an artist, and he was, you know, he got pissed off at DC back in the late 80s because they started enforcing this kind of code of conduct for writers that a lot of people cried censorship at. And to a certain extent, they had a they had a... Uh, a point, but DC was just trying to close ranks because, uh, well, comics were getting more popular. A lot of light was being shined on them, and they were worried that they were going to get taken to task. Or, you know, now, the last thing that a Batman film needs is a news article on how comic books are ruining children's lives. When you say code of conduct, is this what we were asking for with slot professional behavior? No, just oh. in what they write. In, in what they put in the comics, basically. Oh, like Batman can't kill a kid or stuff like that? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Well, I hope that's still in place. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but over the years, you know, we've, we've had these Alan Moore films come out, and, and every time one, like, From Hell or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I actually rather liked. I did, too. Or Watchmen or whatever, and he, you know, he's, you know, he comes out and basically says, my statement is, I don't want any part of this. Then why did you open your mouth in the first place? You know, if someone asks your opinion, that doesn't mean you have to give it. And I kind of applaud Jason Aaron. Um, you know, not so much for going as extreme as he did. You know, you know, there's one thing of thinking it, and there's one thing of putting it on a message board, as we have has been proven over the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, for Jason Aaron, who's a relatively new writer as far as being in the, the comic book reader's mind to take one of the old guard who is respected and asses kissed by everybody and tells him to go F himself. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a brass set right there. And I got to say that, <laughs> that, that when I read that, I was like, that is so aw Somebody needed to do it basically. And I'm glad that Jason Aaron did. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy when I met him, I'm, Jason Aaron, I'm, talking about I, and i like his stuff too did what did he tell you to go f yourself i'm like can i record this podcast with you go f yourself go get the camera yeah <laughs> Cam, no, but here's the thing this? about this yeah. um wow that was good timing uh, <laughs> this is a lot different than dan slot because if i mean obviously he said the same words so there's going to be a comparison uh but if Jason Aaron had said that to a fan, I would have had a problem with it. But Jason Aaron is saying that to Alan Moore, who is, well, let's just face it, not a fan, uh, and in any sense of the word, as in he's not reading the stuff, he's not buying the stuff, he's not in the fan column, he's a writer, he's a professional, or at least he used to be. He's not acting like a professional anymore, and I don't know if he even reads comics, but yeah, I'm behind Jason Aaron on this. I think he 
might have done better to use some different words so he didn't roll himself up in the current controversy. But, um, yeah, and Jason Aaron is a guy, especially in that column, you expect to use some profanity. Uh, if you read that column, you pretty much know that going in, and if you don't, you're going to get it in the first few sentences every single time. <laughs> um, but So I didn't have a problem with him saying this, and I really completely agreed with him. Alan Moore is just acting like an ass. Is Alan Moore the equivalent of Ditko if Ditko talked? No, because Ditko is a professional, and he wouldn't yell out, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, really, was, he made, it seems like they have similar grievances with big comic book companies. I mean, they both well, seem they, batshit crazy. <laughs> That's well, I will equate them that way. Ditko, Ditko didn't talk bad. Ditko would just leave. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got Alan Moore who says, "I hate what superhero comics are, so I'm going to write a bunch of comics that have superheroes in them because, right. yeah, I don't like superheroes." What? <laughs> right. Go ahead, George. What were we going to say? What's your two cents? Um, well, uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this, and Bailey's right. I mean, on the one hand, if Alan Moore, er, and he's at this point, he's a broken record yeah. on this. Every time they ask him, every time they want to, <clears throat> someone wants to interview, him, and I don't even know why people bother anymore. I'll, I'll go ahead and save you the trouble, and I'll answer for him. He hates whatever it is you're going to ask him about. <laughs> and, and, and the more seriously, I mean, and it's been like this for for over ten years. The more people like something that he's done, the more he'll hate it and look down on them for liking it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bailey, you know what I'm talking about. That's that's entirely yeah. true. And, and it's to the point now where I don't even believe it's serious. I think he does it as an act. Mm. And and I think at the end of the day, he, <clears throat> you know, he gets off of the Skype chat or whatever whatever he's doing the interview on, or gets done sending off the email and goes over, sits down. Watch sports and eat some pork rinds like the rest of the fucking world. <laughs> now, okay, so so there's there's that aspect of it. Number one, I can kind of see his point. I can kind of see his point when he looks at, at at all the writers out there, and he's like, yeah, there's you know there's, and I think what he's saying is that there's no originality, and it's the same thing we see in Hollywood. Hollywood is just remake after remake. Comics today. I was rereading parts of Operation Galactic Storm the other night, and I forgot how much. Civil War stole from that. Well, and, well, and so I, a, I, I, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. What, what I was going to say is, he says there's no originality, and yet one of his big books from the late '90s was Supreme, where he did nothing but write Silver Age Superman stories. Yeah. Or he does 1963, where he's just riffing on Marvel in the uh, in the '60s. Or he launches a line of books written by him and his daughter that are nothing but reimaginings of old British comic strips. I mean, how can you say you're original when, even when you did your original piece of Watchmen, you just ripped off Carlton and MLJ characters. Right. And, and, and here's, here's another point because we're, we're talking about old characters and stuff. Um, to Marvel and DC both, stop trying, stop trying to, to, to kiss this man's ass. (laughs) Stop. He's not relevant anymore. The only thing he's relevant on anymore, the only thing Alan Moore is relevant on anymore, and I hate to break this to Rich Johnston because Rich Johnston, I get it, you're a fan, you love him, fine. But the only thing Alan Moore is relevant on anymore is whatever they're using that he did in the past to make a movie out of. Seriously, that's 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 about all he's relevant for anymore. And I, I say that as someone who likes his work, but I mean it's gotten to the point now where he is so caustic. On anything he approaches, and and you know, going into any deal that you have ahead of time, ten years later, he's just going to be bad mouthing you, and it's all going to be a, a a big waste of time. And anyone who likes it is is just a doofus for liking it. Did does he write anything currently? Uh, he he does like like stuff here and there. He, he he's got like some of his own stuff. Doesn't he write for Avatar now, Bailey, or something? Doesn't he just do stuff with them or something? Something like that. I forget. I remember the last big book he did was where was Lost Girls, which was. Uh, to some people, a beautiful piece of art, but when I looked through it, I was like, wow, it's a bunch of people having sex. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, exactly. yeah, he does He does write Avatar. Um, so now when I had talked, or, or one of my friends had talked to the head of Avatar a few years ago when I was trying to get them to look at something, uh, the guy basically said, if your name isn't Garthinus or Alan Moore, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but the Okay, so, so there's that aspect of it. There's the Alan Moore aspect. DC Marvel quit trying to kiss his ass. No. Stop. 
Stop trying to buy things and give them back to them. Stop trying, you know, like like uh, Miracle Man, Marvel Man, whatever, because the only people who care about it at this point are you and Alan Moore <laughs> and a handful of people in Great Britain. Yeah. That's it. No one else gives a shit. I, I'm just landing on the line. No one else cares. Yeah. Okay. But also, Jason Aronson, or uh, Jason Aarons, pardon me, not Aronson. Um, remember the good old days when, you know, when you had people who represented companies like, you know, like Stan or like, you know, like Julius Schwartz or, or – or you know even Levitz or DeFalco, and they they could say things without saying go f yourself. Mm-hmm. And I I was thinking about that the other night. And I was like I don't disagree with Aaron Aaron's, and I get where he's coming from. Dude, find a better way to say it in a public forum than to go f yourself, because yeah. you're not just some random fan. You're supposed to be a professional. Express yourself professionally. Yeah. I'm well, it, I, it, I, it's I, the, it's I'm the internet. He's writing. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot lost when you're sitting in your own house on a computer as opposed to sitting in front of people. Yeah, but if you're professional, Brad, you yeah. need to be thinking no, about how it's going to come across to begin with. Exactly, exactly. JR, you got any two cents about this bitter old man? <laughs> uh, yes, since uh, I'm very familiar with the uh, with bitter old man. Uh, see one every day when I get up and, and look in the mirror. Um, basically, who cares what Alan Moore says? Yeah. I mean, George, George is right. The man's a broken record. Uh, he says the same thing. He's a cranky old man. He, lo- he, he looks and acts like the uh, the homeless person that uh, you see hus- panhandling uh, in downtown Cleveland, you know, who's also spouting crazy cath- conspiracy theories at the top of his voice. And what do you do when you see somebody like that? You ignore them and walk away, you know. And uh, to me, that's the way to handle stuff like this. Right. Hey, All right. Yeah, go ahead. Brad. Yeah, let me say one other thing real quick. Okay, because I was—I I did a lot of thinking about this one. About this one last night, and the um, Heidi McDonald, who, who works over or who writes for the Beat, right? Um, she's someone who, who you know, normally I like reading her stuff. During the Dan Slot thing, she wrote a caustic uh, response to that. Basically, you know, call it. The gist of her post was, "How dare this mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging fan question Dan Slot?" And, and and we talked about it on the message boards uh, in a couple of places. And I pointed out, I was like, this is the this is the mindset of of this industry right now towards the people who give it money. Yeah. You knuckle dragging son of a bitch! How dare you you know criticize this or, or someone I like and, and work with or know? And the thing is, is is so you know where they're coming from now. But now it's like you're seeing them cannibalize one another. Mm-hmm. And and I wondered if I was going to see a, a you know. Oh my God! You knuckled, you know, dragging, mouth-breathing Jason Aaron's. How dare you question the God Alan Moore? So we'll see. I don't know. And we'll wrap up the show right about there. Before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for supporting this show into the new year. A spider-related example of their great prices is on Amazing Spider-Man number 657. Now, this one ties into the recent death in the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man visits the Baxter Building for a wake just for family. Well, the cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>